Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Stories influence, teach, and inspire us. But what about the storytellers who create them? Uncorking a Story profiles storytellers to uncover how their background and life experiences influence the stories they create. We learn what motivates them, their path to success, and what fuels them to keep creating. It all starts by asking one simple question. Where does your story begin? Welcome to Uncorking a Story. Now here's your host, Mike Carlin. Well, hello and welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin. Today, I'm excited to reintroduce you to Ashley Renard. Now, some of you may have listened to episode 117, entitled Welcome to Swingtown, in which Ashley discussed her life and her book, Swing, a memoir of doing it all. It was a very fun and provocative conversation. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. Well, today, Ashley rejoins me to talk about her latest book, Keeping It Hot, the workbook. <laughs> so welcome back to Uncorking a Story, Ashley. Thank you for having me, Mike. And I'm so happy that we're doing a live event. Welcome to Mike's podcast, everyone. Yes, welcome, everybody. Now, listen, I want to let everybody know who's listening in live. You can use the Q&A feature at any time to ask some questions, and I will monitor that to, to ask them along the way. But before I do, Ashley, and I do have a question for you to start off, but I needed to share a quick story because it uh, it is definitely relatable to, to our conversation today. So I was flying yesterday to California. And I had to go through, I, I was, my trip started in Chicago because I was in Chicago on business. And in my suitcase, I've got this microphone right here, which is a pretty interesting shape. And I have this XLR cable, which was rolled up and looked like a whip. I also had your book right here in on top of everything. So it goes through screening at TSA and it, the bag immediately gets diverted as it needs special like attention. And I'm, I look at the guy and I'm like, I know exactly what this is about. And he's like, yeah, we can't figure out what this stuff is. So he shows me the negative image of yeah. the microphone <laughs> and it. what looks it. like a whip. And, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's a microphone and that, that's an XLR cable. I open up the backpack and I mean, it looks like I've got like a sex toy and a whip, basically, if yeah, you don't yeah. know what it is. And then on top of it all is your book, Keeping It Hot. And I'm like, dude. I'm like, I'm interviewing this woman tomorrow. <laughs> love them so much. I love this so it much. Funny. It was okay. so funny. So, so like this goes right into one of my favorite things to do is to ask my audience to share their experiences, challenges, questions, and funny stories in my DMs and through my Instagram stories. Okay. And so many of them have shared really embarrassing sexually, sexual situations at TSA, like a vibrating butt plug having to be taken out. <laughs> like, right? They are wearing gloves, I guess, though, right? The TSA agents are wearing gloves. Okay. And here's the great thing. Like, 
sex is awkward. Like, even if you're really good at it and you're with someone who you really love, like you never know when something's just going to like go wrong and you could be humiliated or you could laugh at it. Right. So I'm so glad that you had a TSA agent who is um, ready to laugh about, you know, oh, yeah. book. My, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like you um, had a carry on like BDSM starter pack or something. Well, interestingly, uh, both those situations I've written about in novels. So I've had scenarios in two books, one where some, somebody's going through TSA and they find a vibrator, but it's shaped as a toe. So it's the vibra toe. Um, so it's just like a joke that I've been sitting on for years. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make this a funny story. And the other was when somebody got the wrong luggage. And instead of having their luggage, they open it up and all of a sudden there's like a gimp outfit in it or something like that. <laughs> Love it. Love but, it. Okay. And the reason that it makes a good joke is because it's a thing like even if an individual or partners are super comfortable using an electronic in the bedroom, it's not something that you 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 want your kids to like pull out of their backpack when you get to preschool or something, right? Like they're filling their lunch bag out and like, there's a dildo. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, even if you're comfortable using it in private, the thought of that private item being seen out in public is like, it's, it's like the dream you'd have with like showing up at school with no clothes on. Yeah, It's like just that, that feeling of exposure. And I think that the fact that we're having this conversation and we know that my audience is going to love it. And hopefully your audience loves it too. Is like the nature of what I wrote about in swing. And like, I didn't know this is where it was going to go, Mike, to like people asking me so much advice on marriage. And here's the thing. I've only been married to one guy and I was miserable for like a decade of that. Okay. But from doing my own work to really shift my relationship with myself and then having my marriage actually like completely transform. Like it, it's so different. It's not like when we were dating or anything. And I probably told you this the first time we were talking, like our marriage is fucking awesome. Like I never thought I would have a marriage of touching number two. This good. I'm so grateful for it. So grateful for it. But what I've realized is a lot of the questions that people send me DMs, hundreds of DMs a day, are really about cooperation, about teamwork, about the things I did over and over and over when I was a figure skating coach. So for your audience, for mine, I coached synchronized skating. That's the only truly team aspect of figure skating for 23 years. And it was my job to get adolescents to cooperate with each other, adolescent girls, right? Like get teenage girls to cooperate with each other and for all of them to do exactly what I wanted them to do, okay? So like the disarming and the like, this is, we're all on the same team. There's no bad guy like that is required in that. I can really easily deliver to people in a few sentences or a voice memo in DM. And I think this is why people come to me, like why when they see my content, if they then click over to my profile to watch more or send it to their partner, or follow me. It's because there's something about my delivery that is disarming. It's like, I'm talking about a vibrator or like, you know, how to like oral sex more giving or receiving. And it's like, I'm talking about the weather and right. they're like, Oh, she's totally, she's totally okay. She's not uncomfortable. And Oh, I'm going to listen. And Oh, here's the, I make videos about sex, but in my DMS, everybody wants to talk about feelings. That's it. Yeah. That's it. 
Well, it's that's one thing that surprised me, you know, after getting the book and kind of going through it is it, it is not the Kama Sutra. I mean, it is not like a how to guide for for sex. I mean, really, it is, you know, primarily about self-discovery and enabling better communication between you and your partner. So what I, I'd love to start off just by talking about, you know, for you, what was the genesis of this book? This book came because my audience asked me to write it. They said to me, do you have worksheets on the love letter exercise that you did in swing when I felt really completely disconnected from my partner, didn't really even feel connected with my friends at that point. Like I really felt very alone in my sadness and in my shame of not being grateful for my lovely looking life and marriage. Like being sad in a marriage is a really lonely place to be. One of the loneliest, I think, because like, you know, you stood up in front of a judge or priest or community and said, hey, yeah, I'm going to be partners with this person forever. It's so weird, actually. It's like, I'd like to speak to the manager, the one who decided on marriage. Okay. It's like, so it's, it's a setup in a lot of ways, but we don't hear people talk about it that much. So when we hear, we see hashtag marriage goals, blah, blah, blah. And then we hear when someone's getting divorced, but like to hear any of the in-between or the monotony or like the struggles on a day-to-day kind of silent, right? right? Kind of silent. And most of us didn't have great role models for like really working through the things that are inevitable in a partnership, especially if you're having kids, you know, finance, all of the things that go with doing life together. So what happened was when I started working through, when I started working through different exercises that I was trying to like figure out, okay, how do I just feel better? not even save my marriage. It was like, how do I just feel not so, it was really dark, so terrible all the time. Of course I got therapy and everything, but I was really working through it on my own. I'm like never not coaching. So it was like, I was coaching myself through like, okay, let's be a happier person somehow, like figuring out what, how to do that and what that really means. Yeah. Um, so it was through those exercises, so many of those exercises, the things that I went into detail about in swing and just like hinted at people were like, can I have more of that? Like, can I have more of that? And wanting something, I wanted people to have something that they could like write in and like scribble all over and color and like really like sort of like trash, rip apart. Whereas swing, people were like, this is Ashley's story. Now, if I want to try to figure out how to do this myself, like by a journal, where do I start? So I wanted to give people a bit of a framework for that. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and even like in, in swing, you know, it's not all about the what I would call the sexy time. You know, it's about the journey and you know what you went through, and how you repaired and, as you say, kind of rehabbed a shabby yeah. marriage. One one thing I wanted to talk about, just because I, I in my head I process this workbook in a few different ways, but the first way is all about self awareness and really knowing it is knowing what it is you want from yourself, also knowing what it is you want from your partner. But you know, it's I think for some of us, for many of us, and and I know for me, this was was very true for a lot of my adult life. If somebody came up to me and said, Hey, what do you want? Like, I, I wouldn't know how to answer. Like, I'd look like a deer in headlights. And I had to do a lot of work on myself to realize not only what I want, but then communicate that to, to somebody else. So, why do you think like that self awareness is so hard? And what can we do about it? Okay. Okay. So, you bingo, bingo, bingo. What I say is this book is a tool for figuring out what you want because that is a process giving yourself permission to want it. So like 
pulling off any shame or conditioning that says you shouldn't. And that's why, that's why it's so hard for us to answer that first part. What do I want? Okay. Because like, just think about it so often, what we want is not in harmony with what the adults around us need from us at that moment or want from us at that moment. Right. So I, I'm not saying that kids shouldn't have to sit in desks at school. I'm not saying you shouldn't have to sit still. I mean, I coached a very, very disciplined sport. And when my athletes were listening, taking direction from me, they lined up shortest to tallest in a semicircle around me. Like when I was like skaters, they came to me and got in that formation. Okay. So it's not that I'm like free range, everything. What I'm saying is as adults, we have been trained out of what we want because we think it's an inconvenience for other people, that it's a burden for others. Like if I get what I want, Mike, if you and I are going to go out for lunch and if we choose my restaurant, then, oh, maybe Mike's going to have to compromise because he's not getting his top pick, right? We have this like game of who's going to be resentful today that we play with other people silently or we play with ourselves, okay? One of the things too is like, when it's so, okay. So you can tell me how this shows up for you with your lived experience, but being a young woman, then a woman in figure skating, I didn't even allow myself the basic human want of feeling hungry. Okay. Because when I felt hungry, that was like, Oh, that's because I'm craving something bad or because like, you know, I'm thinking about food when I should be thinking about training, or there were like all of these stories that were layered on top of like your stomach growling. Okay. So figuring out what we want is um, harder than we realize because we have ignored what our body and our mind and our heart are telling us so often. That's why in swing, when I was like, okay, I'm going to do some self-care. I was like, all right, what should I do? And what I decided was I was going to go pee every time I felt the urge to go pee, like stop what I was doing and go. How and dare you? I know. But really, and when I tell people that though, Mike, they're like, oh my God, how do, how do you even do that? What if, what if I was like, you just stop mid conversation, you turn off the stove, you whatever. Right. And even if I was in the middle of a skating practice, I would be like, gotta go pee do something or don't do anything, whatever I'm, whatever I'm doing. But so many people are like, Oh, I wish I knew my purpose. Oh, I feel like I'm like meant for something bigger in the world, but like, I don't know what it is. And then when their body's like, go for a walk before you sit down at your computer, we're like, no, can't do that. I have to like throw in some laundry and then go and like, well, whatever, do wordle early in the morning or whatever. Like our body body, brain, heart, all of it, whether they're different parts or they're all the same thing, or whether it's intuition or whether it's like some higher, whatever, we're getting whispers all the time, like about what we should be doing. And we think that being a good person or being disciplined is like ignoring those things and doing the thing we deem to be a better use of our time or more mature, or whatever. Um, so when we're married to another person who's also detached from their wants, but hearing from us that we want some things from them. And then there are kids who want, 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 right? My dear triplets, am I remembering this <laughs> that's, correctly? That is okay, absolutely okay. correct. Yeah. So, so three, the same age, having the same sort of needs and wants and the same sort of physical limitations at the same time and all of those things. 
it's 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 really easy to put what you want as like the lowest thing on your priority list yeah. every single day. Yeah. I mean, and you know, for me, just the way that that showed up, I mean, I, I never did figure skating or synchronized skating or coached anyone doing uh, said things, but you know, I buried my needs for so long as if they didn't matter. And then at some point in your adult life, when, when the kids are older and you have a little bit more time, you know, it, I realized like, oh my gosh, I do have these things. I do have these desires and these dreams and I haven't voiced them. And, you know, it, I, I wouldn't say it led to a crisis, but it certainly, it was a wake up call. And, and I needed to do some work to kind of not only figure out what they were, but then kind of communicate them and learn how to talk about them, which was the second point I wanted to bring up about your book. So the first is like, okay, this book is really helping someone go through that self-awareness process. And that's sort of, I don't want to say solitary thing, but that's something like you kind of do on your own. But then, you know, you, you've got this, okay, well, now that I know this, now that I, I would call it like the curse of knowledge, now that I have this curse of knowledge, if I don't do something with that knowledge, I am only betraying myself. So let's talk about communication. Why, why, is, why is communication so hard? I mean, oftentimes, it was something that I've come to learn anyway, it's that you know, poor communication is the biggest barrier to physical intimacy. That's just an insight that I've sort of found. But why is communication so hard, Ashley? Okay, so communication is hard in general for a certain reason. It's hard in the bedroom. Okay, so listen, there are going to be people listening to this, Mike, who are like, who can't ask for what they want in the bedroom? What? That's me. Yeah. That's me. Like, talk about never not coaching, Mike. Okay. <laughs> in the Like, I get exactly what I want out of every intimate experience I've ever had in my life because I think that's the point. And then I'll ask my partner, what do they want to? It's not just about me. It's a two-way street, but it's like, oh, this has to feel great for both. Like, okay, let's shoot for the stars, right? But for a lot of people, now- there are reasons behind this that are like all different, all different reasons. Like there can be trauma. There can be trauma around uh, sexual assault or uh, things with their body that it's just like, oh, to feel anything there would just be so terrifying because it would, it would trigger. But for others, they have really, and I get a lot of, I got get a lot of DMs from people who were raised in purity culture and then waited till marriage to have sex. And then they were like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? Because a lot of people are promised that if they just wait and if they don't engage physically with anyone until they find the person God chose for them, that their sex life is just going to be incredibly, it's just going to be instantly bonkers amazing. Okay. And what these people find is like, um, no, it's like, a lot of things, but it's not bonkers amazing. It's like confusing. And they really, they, they've never been told that asking for what you want is like such a gift to your partner. It's like, you're insulting, especially women, especially women in my DMs are like, I feel like if I ask my partner to do something or direct them in any way, that's like so insulting to their manhood. And I'm like, for you to say, hey, I have a vulva, let me show you, let me tell you about it, or how or could we maybe learn together? Yes. I mean, why do people think, I just don't understand, why do people think that like it would just happen automatically? I guess because, you know, there, there's nothing, we don't see. The sex that we see in media is like, okay, TV, movies where like, oh, like there's this, there's this rapturous connection. And then like, okay, people are in the hallway and the pants are coming down and it's just like, 
right? And it, it's just the, the chemistry is so high that the physicality works. Right. Okay. Or we see pornography where every single angle, position, whatever is just for like the, 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 the shot. Like, you know, people don't watch a car chase and think like, oh, that's how driving works. <laughs> that's a great point. Right? That's it's a like, great oh, point. Next time I'm merging, oh, it that that's what I should do? No, but for some reason, and I think it's because we don't talk about it enough, like porn is like, I think that like there's two camps and I, I don't know a lot of people in the middle, like who are just like, oh yeah, teenagers at some point will like see porn and like adults, yeah, probably use it to masturbate, right? Like whatever, whatever, whatever. And then other people who are like, porn is the ultimate drug, the ultimate sin, the ultimate like thing to like ruin your satisfaction in the bedroom and your life, right? Like there's, there's these things. So we don't talk about, well, like, so what I've said to my kids, my oldest is 15. And I've talked to him about pornography for a while now, because I always want to get to my kids first. And I've said, okay, there's this thing called pornography. It's like graphic sex on video. Like you can come across it on your phone. Have you ever heard friends talking about it? I was like, I don't want you watching it because it's not an accurate depiction of how grownups have sex. It's really not. And I've used the car chase example for him. Like, you know, you know how you see things like special effects and things on movies. And we know that that's not real. But if this is your first introduction to that, it's really easy to think that that is. So then I have women in my DMs who are like, "Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel good when like my feet are on top of like above my head. And they have a young husband. He's like, you know, he thinks that like, that's how intercourse is supposed to work. And I'm like, oh my God, like, it's windy, it's cold, there's a breeze, like get the legs, like what, I can't, everyone's around, like what? get the legs down, what's happening here? So um, just, I think that what people really appreciate about my content and the sharing stories like that in my, in, in my Instagram stories is like, people are like, oh, okay, I don't feel dumb for not knowing that. Or now my partner realizes, oh, there are a lot of couples who have these conversations or like have to try to figure it out in some way. And I think for most of us, whether it's been pregnancy, whether it's been postpartum, whether it's been other medical or emotional things going on, I think every couple who's been together longer than a minute has had to figure out some part of their sex life right? Yeah. I've had to do like some kind of like figuring for like, okay, right now that's not working. We're going to have to do something else. Yeah. But you know, just getting back to communication for me, something I'm curious about is, is the role shame plays in, in poor communication, because, you know, you gave the example before of, you know, why, you know, a, a woman thinking uh, that their, that their partner, you know, will be insulted if she gives direction. And, you know, from the other side of the fence, I'm like, no, I I want more direction. (laughs) You know, it's like, I want you to tell me, you know, what you need. But there's, I think there's for many people, there's like an element of shame there. Like, oh my gosh, are they going to think that I'm a a weirdo if I ask for something a little bit out of the ordinary? So how do we address shame and inhibitions? Okay. So a few things there, right? Like, okay, so this is one part of it. And this is what I always talk about when I'm talking about faking orgasm because I've never done that before because my whole life I've been like, oh, okay, sort of not feeling it or something or something. I could just fake. It's like been something that's gone through my mind. Right. And I'm like, 
Oh, no, no, that's a slippery slope because if, if I just did that because I kind of wanted this to be over sooner, if I'm tired or not feeling whatever, then you could just go to that every time. It's just so easy. Okay. So when I first said in my stories, Hey, women or anybody, anybody out there fake orgasms. And if you do, why? I swear to you, Mike, I have never received so many responses so quickly, like 300, like maybe in the first hour, it was what like responses. The thing that women said, so this is what I want. This is what I want everyone to hear that there is shame because sometimes we're shamed. Okay. And the reason we're shamed is like, cause someone else is feeling shame. It's like, it's like pinball, it's like pinball shame. Like, boom, 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 boom. okay. When, when a woman has said, you know what? I'm not really feeling it. Like, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to come. I don't think I'm going to finish. You can just finish. Sometimes partners will pout. And I think it's because I think it's actually because like they want, they want their partner to feel satisfied, but instead of listening and saying, okay, I'll just finish. And then afterwards we can talk about, Hey, was there something like, are you not feeling well? Or was there something I didn't do? What, you know, what could we do to make this better? They will say, well, I, I'm not going to be able to come if you didn't come. I don't like, you got it. You got it. Like, there's this thing, like partially, I think it is a turn on when your partner climaxes. Yes. But then part of it is like, dude needs like a, a like a pat on the back. Like he did a good job so he can actually do his job. He can finish. So right. there's like these things. So the, the first thing I've said is, hey, the number one reason that women fake it, there are two reasons. Number one, their partner's not doing the right thing and they don't want to ask again, like, okay, a little more left, blah, 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 because they don't want to hurt their partner's feelings. And the second one is that they know they're not going to have an orgasm and they just won't, don't want to pretend any longer that like, that's what they're working towards right so they'll just like it's their indicator to their partner that they can just finish yeah so and i've had i've had men dm me and they're like or comment and they've said oh if you're if your partner doesn't finish every single time you don't know what you're doing and guys will respond and go uh dude if your partner finished if she climaxes every single time then you need to ask her if she's faking because <laughs> it's such a normal thing for and, and i've had men say too I don't need to finish every time. I actually don't need to finish every time. And just, and then I share these responses. So people get to see these. So that's the thing that there's this shame that you're not going to have the right answer or do it the right way or whatever, because like, we don't, we don't really see other people having sex, which and I'm not saying we necessarily should. I mean, but you could go to a sex club and you'd see something, but <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm saying I have and have, whatever. But, you might um, be talking from personal experience there, Ashley. <laughs> I don't, I don't. But normally we don't. That was one of the things that I really enjoyed about talking to other people in the swing lifestyle. They talk, they talk, Mike. And they're like, Hey, you know what? Usually, usually we don't bring this up, but Hey, my partner, she doesn't actually like oral sex. She doesn't like anybody going down on her. So usually the first time she'll be like, she'll put up with it. And then she'll say, by the way, I don't really love that. But he was like, we're just gonna say it right from the beginning. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I'm sorry. You had to go through that the first time with like any other but here we, here we are, like, even in that situation, like there's, there's sort of this, like trying just to be polite, <laughs> right? But anytime we have an opportunity to go, okay, wait, what do we really want? Whether that's in the bedroom or whether that's like 
oh my God, I hate doing the dishes. Could you please just do the dishes from now till forever or the toilet or whatever, you know, because that's part of the book is equitable partnership. I think both people in a relationship need to feel supported and need to feel whole, comfortable in their bodies. There are so many things that need to feel good in order for the sex to be great that I just wanted to give people a lot of prompts, a lot of cues for that kind of stuff to just start having these conversations in and outside the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. No. And the conversations are are so important. And that's why I love the workbook because it helps you have those conversations. Uh, so one thing I want to talk about, um, you know, in addition to all that is just the element of family life on this, because, you know, you could go through all this work, right? You could, you could do the self-awareness. You could, you could have better communication. You can work on emotional intimacy, which will lead to better physical intimacy. You could break down inhibitions, but throw in having kids in a family. And that's, that's a whole other, whole other curveball, isn't it? It is. it is. It definitely is. And this is one of the common messages I get from men saying that they really miss their wives because the wives are so busy with the kids. Okay. And it's not like, the wife is off, like, you know, going to six flags with the kids for the day. Like she's living it up. Like she's packing lunches. She's doing this. She's checking this. She's volunteering. She's, she's doing all this. Right. And the male partner. And I mean, this is like something that falls along gender norms sometimes, although a lot of my responses from people don't. So the male partner will be like, I want to spend some time with you. I want to, and she's like, you know, it's going to be busy like this while the kids were by, while the kids are little, and then we'll have more time together, right? Or maybe they go on vacation once a year or something. Okay, here's the thing that I really believe: being that mom who is working full time and homeschooling and homesteading and traveling for work and all of these things. Okay, listen, it's normal to like have that separation between um, married couples when there's kids, but it's not healthy or it's not natural because the more separated you get and the more each of you dials down your actual attention to your needs, physical, emotional, all of these things, like both partners are just like, eh, I guess my needs aren't that important. I guess my needs aren't that important. And then if their partner says, hey, I need something from you, what they are already hearing is needs aren't important in this family needs aren't important because I have to tell myself every day, you don't really, you don't really need what you think you need. So what I encourage people to do is right from the beginning go, okay, we got a baby or three that we have to keep alive, right? Okay. How can we bring in as much support as possible? So the two of us don't turn into complete zombies. Okay. There there's, there's a period of time where it's like, I don't want to say it's inevitable, but it's like almost inevitable, right? Like when, like those, those newborn, like those first few months that you're something, okay? But during that time, if there can be a dialogue about like, okay, it's not okay for either of us to get no sleep. It's not okay for either of us to not have real food in a day. or Because like, like things get bad real quick, don't they? Yeah. Like when you're really, it's like, it is kind of survival mode, Right. That's why I recommend really easy things like the 12 hugs a day, okay? Even if you're in a situation, nobody's having sex, but okay, or whatever people want, whether it's like thank yous or help or whatever it is, like help with a task that needs to get done. There has to be cooperation from the beginning. So many 
so many people think their their job as a parent is just to like devote themselves completely to their child. Okay. And I, and I did this, I almost like quit my job so I could like pour more into my kids. And then I realized, and I really want people to see that the, the very best way for us to teach our kids to honor their needs, to connect with themselves, to connect with the people close to them is for them to see that from their parents. Okay. And if you're a single parent, Okay, if you got a good friend, if you've got a sister who comes over, or like you guys did, we need to show kids healthy communication and healthy dynamics. Yeah. So I think showing children a health, healthy adults needs to be like really high on the priority list because every generation, like, I mean, we are in, we are in a stressful time, like on planet earth. So I think like, Anybody who's doing life without like Lexapro right now is like <laughs> probably immortal. But anyway, I think like we need supports, like all hands on deck right now. Like we need, okay, it's a stressful time in life. But here's the thing. I think that, you know, parents worry about, oh, technology for my kid or this or that, or like, how am I going to keep my kids safe as they grow up? And it's like, what if you made them self-aware? What if you, what if you help them hear their inner voice? What if you facilitated that with them? What if you shared with them experiences when you ignore that inner voice and then are like, okay, and it really puts me in the wrong direction. And then I come back. What if as parents, we shared some of our marriage struggles with our kids even in real time, because they, 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 they know anyway, they know anyway, something's going on. Chances are, they're blaming it on themselves if you're not giving them like a, a narrative that makes sense. So I think that the way that we can do better by ourselves is by showing our kids. Yeah, how, no, I, I totally really agree. Take care of ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's you know we we teach our kids so many things, right? We teach them you know good dietary habits, good study habits. We teach them to be kind, polite, you know, to take care of themselves. But we should also be teaching them through our example with our partners. You know, being affectionate in front of them with our partners, you know? And I, I tell, you know, I tell my wife sometimes, you know, who, who would be a little bit more inhibited about, you know, having a little romantic time when the kids were home. And I'm like, you know, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for them to know that their parents are, you know, still together in that way. You know, it's, 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 it's is, I'm not talking about, you know, busting out the whips and chains, but it's, it's more of, Hey, it's, it's probably okay to, 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 for them to know. I love that so much because, okay. So my husband, Manny, was raised in a traditional Greek Orthodox home. He didn't even know the word for sex, but he did know the word for virgin because he was supposed to marry one. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that work out for him? No, I was like, what are you going to do? Like, like drive past like junior high schools when you're ready? Like what? Where, where, in what world did you? But then I was like, in what? Because I grew up in Canada, right? Like my boyfriend slept in my bedroom during high school when he would sleep over, Mike. Like I was came from like a very sex positive, progressive home. So I really didn't know that anybody waited till marriage anymore. Like I didn't even know that like people tried, like I didn't, it was, <laughs> okay. but now I get a lot of DMs from people who are like, our wedding night is like next week. Any tips? And I'm like, <laughs> just the tips. Um, just the tips. Exactly. That's my only tip. I know what my advice is, is go slow. Don't like, usually it's over weeks or months or years that a young adult will have their first sexual interaction 
with another young adult and then work up to the place that there's like intercourse happening, right? It's like a long, long runway usually. So for people who get married, I say like, make it maybe like a goal to like have intercourse by like the end of your honeymoon. Like really, like don't think that something's wrong if you like really taking the pressure off and people really appreciate that. Even if they like, don't follow that and like, you know, even if they go a little faster to know, Hey, we could just try it a little and then we'll try it again tomorrow or whatever, because it's like, it's a traumatic experience for a lot of people. And it's so weighted like, Oh, it's going to be so amazing. This thing that you've like denied yourself for so long. So, but one of the first things, so when Manny was growing up, never heard any talk of sex, never saw either of his, either of his parents unclothed, nothing, 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 nothing. Okay. So when I would just be like, and our kids slept in our room for a really long time, Mike. So when Jack was like four and I would like walk to the closet to like get clothes, he's like, should you be undressed in front? Of-? I was like, like, how in the world are we going to do life in this family with me not being naked at some point? Like, no, the kids are here. I'm nursing. I'm nursing a little blah, blah, blah. No, I was like, we're not. No, they're fine. They will get to an age where they like will knock when they come in the door. Or if I'm changing in the bathroom, if they like sense that I'm in the bathroom now, they'll be like, mom, are you in there? Right. Cause they want to talk to me, but they don't actually want to see my bare ass. Right. Okay. Right. Because my 15 year old just doesn't want to see, he's not interested in my bare ass. Okay. <laughs> so that's the thing. That's the thing that I knew they would get to a point where it's like, and I got to the point where like, if I knock on their door or something, like I give them time before I open it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, unless you were, unless you were, unless you were a stepmom, you know, because there's a lot of porn out there about that. Okay, there's so much weird. It's <laughs> so family. weird, right? It's so it is such weird. a it is such a weird kink. Just it to to piggyback a, on that, it is such a weird kink, and it's like really prolific. <laughs> it's, from it's, it's really everywhere. Okay, so but I'm telling nobody wants to see no yeah. nobody wants to see your ass, even if they're no thank God. Okay, so when I started talking to our kids about sex, one of the most important things, one of the things I had in like the first or second conversation with them about procreation was, oh, and grownups don't just do that to make babies. They do that regularly because it feels really nice and it's a way for them to be close. So it was like, it was not like, you know, some people's kids have been like, oh my God, did you do that three times? Cause like they have three kids or whatever. Right. And because most kids don't come all at once. Like yours do. Mike. I mean, unless you do it my way. Right. I know. Oh my God. It's very efficient. I will I say mean, that. Oh, so efi- yeah. Yeah. So efficient. <laughs> so I really wanted them to know that. I really wanted them to know that. And even now I love our neighbor kids are over here all the time. I love my neighbor children. Like they're my own kids. Okay. And they call me their neighbor mom. And the six-year-old said to me, so Ashley, it's so pretty. The cover is so pretty. What, what, is, what is it about? And I said, well, Mia, a lot of married couples have trouble getting along. Like they get annoyed with each other, or frustrated. And the book is about ways that they can communicate more kindly to each other and really enjoy being together. So like, they like cuddling, like they like going away on dates, just the two of them. So like, they're really happy because I think a family's happier when, because she has a mom and dad, when the mommy and daddy are happier. And she goes, oh, that sounds so nice. 
Did you give her a copy to take home for her mommy and daddy? No, no, but her mom has one. We're okay. friends. We're friends with she had a little swing sticker. I had stickers of swing Mike. And do I have one here? And she she like put one on her shirt and took it home one day. And her mom texted me, like just laughing. Because here's the thing: I sent out copies of swing via email to everybody I knew, like a year and a half before the book came out. Okay, including my family, friends, neighbors. So she already got one. And my kids, friends, parents. Okay, like parents I didn't really know, but my kids hung out with their kids because I just wanted to let the cat out of the bag. I was like, Manny was like, what if people don't let their kids come over to our house anymore because they know we went to sex clubs? I was like, that is a really good question. Rip off the band aid. Let's just see what happens. Right. And I'm raising three kids who are going to be definitely white, probably men in America. Okay. So if they were to experience some discrimination because of the type of book I wrote, right. And you know, that impacted them in a negative way. That would be a really interesting experience for them because like they don't innately have, you know, like they don't have gay parents. They don't have that. They don't have that. Like they have a lot of things stacked for them as far as like, showing up and being who they are and not ruffling any feathers. And I swear, I don't know if I told you this in the last podcast, but I think like people, I think people like me better than before they read the book because they were like, oh, your marriage isn't perfect. I was like, oh no, no, it's really good now, but no, it was not good for a really long time. <laughs> right. I still wouldn't call it perfect though. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to say one of the reasons why I scheduled this at 630 Eastern was so that it would free up 530 Eastern for you. That's right. So what Mike's talking about is keeping monogamy hot part one. It's still my favorite piece of advice was so people I have videos. I have videos. And one of the first videos that went viral was keeping monogamy hot part one. It was decide your favorite time of the day to be intimate, right? Because some people like just expect, okay, that whenever that expected time is for you as a couple, if it doesn't happen, then there's going to be like awkwardness on both sides, yep. right? From the person who doesn't want to and wishes the other person didn't want it. And the other person's like, I'm not going to get it, but I did want it. But most of this is silent, isn't it? Yeah, it's most a silent it dance. Oh, yeah. It's a silent dance. And so Manny and I have never gone to bed together, ever. Like, we do not. We, do you and your wife go to bed at the same time? Mike? We try to. I'm okay. usually in bed before she is. And do you guys have a TV in your bedroom? We. I do not want it there, but yes, we do. But you do. Okay, so do you. Because this is what I'm trying to figure out. What are people doing going to bed? To, I don't know. We've just never done it. So we've always been like, hey, you like interested in getting on today or whatever or like we would have codes it would be like yoga question mark he would text me for like years and it would be like yeah you know and we had different schedules and things like that it was like the rink at night so it would be like yeah let's this is my window of opportunity whatever or my window of availability <laughs> so one of the things i said was in our house night times are for sleeping and mornings are for coffee so i like getting it on at 5 30 p.m okay here's the thing about the kids being home from school that's like hard and like a little annoying so we were like Okay, maybe it's like a morning thing. We're like shifting our times around, but I appreciate you working with my set <laughs> schedule. But here's the thing, just having that conversation of like, are we going to have sex today or not? And what time would you like to do it? Because I, I mean, I had a lot of, I never had a night laying in bed wanting sex and not getting it. But I did have times when I really, really, really needed something in my marriage. Like I needed him to listen or I needed to have a good cry or I needed him to hold my hand. So I'm so sad. 
And I didn't get those things. And I went to bed really wanting those things so badly and just yeah. like sobbing and sobbing and sobbing into my pillow and really thinking like, yeah, I'm never, that's not for me, I guess. That's yeah. not for me, like that kind of support or intimacy or understanding, like just to be known, just to like be with someone who knows what you need, yeah. you know? No, and I know we went down the rabbit hole of sex and physical intimacy, but, you know, the book is really about so much more than that. It's about, you know, helping you not go to bed and be sad because your partner isn't listening or that you can't voice your needs. And all of those things, when you're able to sort of work through them and overcome them, lead to better times in the bedroom, which I'm realizing my background right now. I'm usually in my home, my studio with a green screen. I'm in California. The funny thing is, I mean, my camera's pointing at the bed, right? So I guess that is an appropriate background for given parts of this yeah. conversation. But I've got a webcam on a tripod pointing at the bed with a computer pointing at the bed with this microphone. I can only imagine what the maid was thinking when she came in to clean this room. I mean, she probably yeah. is thinking that I'm some kind of cam guy, right? Yeah, that I'm doing that cam shows exactly at night. Exactly, that you're doing cam shows. Okay. So and maybe I, mean, I should be doing camp shows. I mean, I've got three I kids mean, in college. I could use a little extra money. I know. Only fans, cam guy. Yeah. yeah honestly, right. We like, honestly, I could role mean, play. I mean, I have these, I have reading glasses. I can just put them on and I could be like, I don't know. Well, I look horrible in glasses, but. No, but here's the thing that I think that you could have brand consistency with uncorking the story. You know, it could, it could, it could go cam. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I have to say my wife just rejoined. She missed that whole setup about being a cam guy. So she's going to have to go back and listen to that because it was pretty damn funny. <laughs> it was. It was. Hello. Yeah, just say hello, say, say hello to Nicole, Ashley. Say hi. hi, Nicole. Nicole, you had three babies at once. Nicole. <laughs> You're my fucking hero, Nicole. She gets that, um, uh, she gets that a lot. No. I know. Okay, so then I would actually want to talk to Nicole and like see if that's like actually a compliment or if it's not the compliment you think it is. So I would actually want to talk to Nicole and hear about that because whenever, you know, humanity has like a standard answer to like you sharing about your life, it's got to be just an interesting situation. Yeah, it is. It is interesting, actually, because when you tell people that like you're the parents of triplets, they usually have a few different reactions, right? One is usually, oh my gosh, better you than me, which is pretty insulting, I have to say. The other thing people want to know is, you know, was it was it hard having triplets? And I'm like, I, this is when you learn that there are such things as stupid questions. Because think about it. I'm like, you went from having zero babies to three babies in the span of three minutes. It's like it's pretty damn hard having triplets. Don't even ask the question because it's so stupid. And then the other one that you get all the time is, are they were they natural? And then I'm like, oh, people would ask this in the grocery store, and it's like, okay, now we're talking of our personal fertility in line at you know Shoprite. Yeah, like, it's like what. So it, it is right uh, when, you, when, when you say you do something out of the norm, you know, you do get some some odd questions sometimes. Right. That is for sure. So here's what's funny. Having triplet makes you prone to more personal questions than I get making hundreds of videos <laughs> about blowjobs. No, not about blowjobs. <laughs> oh, it's so right. funny that people would be because there's this interesting thing that I'm really grateful for. And I'm like, I really appreciate the incredible audience that I've like magnetized to me with my content because 80% of my DMs are for men. And they're like, hey, thank you so much for your content. This thing that you made, like made me, this video really made me understand this thing that my wife has been telling me for years. And it's been like a fight we've had for five years, but I didn't get it. 
And the way you said it, I got it. And I sent it to her and I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I was like, so dense. Like totally. And now she follows you too. Okay. They come in with like, just this gratitude. Like, thank you for just talking about these things and making it this space where like, we don't feel like idiots, you know, like somebody the other day, I was asking people to share fantasies that came true that really lived up to like what they thought yeah. it was going to be in their mind. And so many men said pegging. Okay. Oh my so God. Hold on. Wait a minute. Now, if we're taking a trip to fantasy Island here, pegging was like high on the list of dudes. Oh, it's so high. So this is the interesting thing about my audience that, well, here's, okay. I just want to tell people listening. If you are, if you have an online business and you are not actively using Instagram stories to talk to your audience and your customers, you are missing the greatest opportunity in history to post something publicly. And every single response that comes back to you is private. So people tell you how they really feel. Interesting. They tell you how they really feel. And people trust me because they've seen me day after day after day for years sharing things my audience has said. And I never make fun of them. Like if I get a dumbass DM or comment, I block and delete. I don't screenshot that shit and show it to my audience. I mean, there are some accounts that do that in a way that's like super supportive to their audience because they're whatever. Like, I'm not saying you should never do that. But what I do is I share DMs of people who say something that's so smart. And I go, oh my God, isn't this so smart what this person thought? Yeah. Oh my, this is so, this is so, this is adding to the conversation. So they know I can tell Ashley I'm into pegging and she's not going to lock to lead. She's not going to think I'm a weirdo. She's going to be like, good for you. Yeah. yeah it's okay, like, you asked a question, they gave you an answer. Way up there. So I shared a couple of them and in with other, well, I shared a bunch of the fantasies and pegging came up like a couple. I shared it maybe two times, but it came up like way more than that. Okay. And I got a few DMS from people saying, what is pegging? <laughs> like a 65 year old man, what is pegging? Right. And I'm like, Oh, it's he's this, clearly this. never been to prison, but go ahead. Right. I Right. So for listeners, it's when a partner uses a strap on to then have intercourse with their partner, like maybe anal, anally, if it's like a woman to man, whatever. Okay. You put the strap on in a hole that you can find, like, put it somewhere. Okay. So, and then I explained and he was like, oh, wow, thank you. But like, I was like, yeah, get this question a lot. So it's just like people, I'm just so grateful that I make this, this content that's like, you know, sort of, so not really salacious, sort of like, you know, out there a little bit edgy, like opening up these conversations. And then when people come into my DMs, they're never like, oh, tell me more about what you like. No, they're like, thank you. You know, this like sort of boundary. And I don't know if it's like coach energy or what it is, but like, I'm super grateful for it that the people in my sphere are like, oh, we just love what you're doing. Like nobody offend Ashley because we want her to like keep making, keep making the things she's making. <laughs> yeah, no. What what else would surprise us about, you know, if we were going to Fantasy Island here, what what else were you kind of surprised or just kind of, you know, raised the eyebrow to okay, from, from either male or men or women? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anything really surprises me anymore. Even though I, I mean, I wrote a book about being the world's worst attempted swinger, but I'm like really vanilla. I'm actually very vanilla. And so, but I want to create a space where like, yeah, not everybody has to like what I like. Not everybody, like, that's just, I love that my partner, the person I actually have sex with likes the same stuff I like. That's like, we're winning, right? At life. So a lot about, a lot about women taking charge of the bedroom, a Mm. lot, like, Femdom, I guess is what it is, like sort of being dominated, 
really taking charge, whether it's like being dominated in like, like dominant, submissive, like official sort of way, or just like, you know, would love if their wife like pushed them down on the bed and were like, we're having sex and like rip their clothes off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think there's something to that about like wanting to feel wanted no, or wanting I, to feel yes. desired. You know, that's like a big clue. You know, and I talked to a lot of guys and, you know, topic comes up. I did a men's intensive last month and, you know, we talk about stuff and, you know, a lot of them are saying, hey, look, both of the guys who I was with were both divorced and it's like they just didn't feel like their partners desired them anymore. Okay, and, and that's like, yeah, bingo, because possibly, possibly their partner was numbing out all of their own desires for years. Like, what do the kids need? What do I want? No, what do the kids need? What does my husband? What are, do I need to take the dog to the vet? Right. So when somebody is like completely detached from their physical desires, they don't actually desire their partner. And it's even hard for them to empathize with like, oh, they want sex from me. But all these other people have wanted so much for me today and I gave to them and now I have to give, like they get really disconnected. So what I told this young couple recently who DM'd me, because sometimes people will DM me and they'll be like, oh, from like Chad and Trisha or whatever. Thank you. Like even though they don't have like a joint Instagram account, they'll like (laughs) be like, okay. Or they'll mention their partner's name and then sign off with their name, whatever. But they were saying like, okay, feeling disconnected. We have a new baby. We had a miscarriage before this. Like there's just been so much going on with her body. And like, I don't want to pressure her, but I really like miss my wife since we had this baby and like, blah, blah, blah. and I said, okay, here, here's what you can do. Asking this question early on. And like, they have only one kid. And like, here's how I said, make sure she doesn't lose herself. Like give that the primary parent, if that's like kind of the situation that they have time to themselves or time with friends or time off from just giving to the infant before the other parent has time off from that. You know what I mean? Cause like that, I don't know what it was. I think I was like, I just didn't take that time, but like Manny would like go out for dinner with friends or used to call Sunday fun day. They would like play like play racquetball, go for breakfast, all this shit on Sundays. I would be at home with the three kids and then I would go to work for the rest of the day at the rink. And I was like, Sunday, fun day can kiss my ass. Like this isn't fun at all. (laughs) Right. And I felt so resentful. What I needed to do was just, he wouldn't have begrudged me at all taking time to myself, but I was like, there's not enough time to get all of these things done. So I just got like kind of panicked about like trying to just keep my head above water. Right. And then I was super resentful of him taking time for himself. So my advice to people who are, you know, haven't got to that point yet, or if you're there, hey, listen, both people in the partnership, both parents need time to themselves. They need time to be in their body. They need time to laugh with friends. They need time to really like fill up volunteering, whatever the thing is that they, that they love, they need some time for that. Okay or else they're not going to have any empathy for the other person needing something because you're like, oh, you need something. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the fucking club. Because like I have needs all day that I have to ignore. So, you know, that's the thing. It's not about like, and sex isn't about like giving and taking from each other. Like ideally it is like we come together and we have some fun, satisfaction, connection, right? Like these are the things that are possible. But it's this like transactional exchange between so many couples where like they're keeping score, right? 
sort of keeping score when they've been like keeping score all day. Like who's letting me, who's letting who down right now? Like how many times have they let me down today? So being really generous and opening up to connect with somebody coming from that place is really hard. Yeah. This is a good segue, I think, into what we were talking about a little bit before we started rolling, which is some work you are planning on doing with with couples. So what can you share about that? Because it seems like that this is that is something that needs that needs to happen. You know, talk before, you know, there's no roadmap. We're not given a roadmap for having healthy adult relationships. Oftentimes, the ones we see when we're growing up, you know, aren't great examples. And certainly, you know, marriage doesn't come with an instruction manual. So what are you going to do about it, Ashley? What am I going to do about it? Okay, so I am planning right now a couple's summit and a couple's course for the fall. It's going to be an eight-week course. So a couple's summit is going to be a two-and-a-half-day event. I'm going to bring in guest experts, sex experts, family, marriage and family therapists, licensed social workers to talk about, hey, what are what are the really common things that couples are struggling with and how do we like pull this apart a bit so even if it's something that a couple doesn't personally struggle with, they can find some benefit to that. So there's so little, so little marriage support that is outside of like biblical principles or like the only sort of like marriage support people we get was like, you know, when you go meet the priest before the wedding or like after, right? Who may not know that much about sex, to be honest. Like what the hell? Right. Okay. Right. Premarital counseling for someone who hasn't been married. Like it's, it's bonkers. And and I actually see, I actually see so many like Christian marriage coaches who are like in their twenties and they have one kid and they live like on Maui or something. But anyway, awesome. Awesome. I think they're right. Okay. Like these marriage influencers, what I want, what I want is to provide a service and a structure and a container for couples where we're talking about like science, like, okay, brain science, psychology, sexuality, like, okay, here are the things we know about how humans get along. And here, you know, let's use them in ways to get to know ourselves better, figure out, okay, what do I really need to like feel more filled up more, more whole, so that we have two whole ish, whole feeling partners, and then it can come together, right? And then what are the things that we could do physically? What are the things that we could do as far as like, dreaming big with your partner if you guys are both coming from like a really aligned place like what are the possibilities for like things how does your family change how does you know how does everything shift when you have that alignment and that true partner okay all of us have had like probably co-workers who we've worked with we've had to like do a group projects with and some are some are shitty but when you have a great partner i mean thank you yeah thank you right? That we're, that we're not alone here. Like, you know, each walking around a planet, one human at a time that we get other people to like work with us. And for all of us, if you had an arranged marriage, I'm not sure how this plays out for you, but for those of us who chose our partners, okay. You really thought they were going to be a good partner for you. You really saw a lot in them that made you say, yeah, you're the one for me. And what I want is for people to see that in themselves and see that in their partners again and go like, okay, yeah, marriage doesn't have to be this hard, actually, because it doesn't. Yeah. It does. I will. This is like the mountain, all that. It doesn't have to be this hard. It doesn't. And the whole, like, listen, I've read the whole Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus series in college, trying to get along with my college boyfriend. Okay. Listen, no, men are not from Mars, women are from Venus. Humans are just complicated and we are complex and unique in our own ways. And sometimes, 
they are consistent with gender stereotypes and sometimes they're very different. And sometimes there are things that we've never heard someone else say out loud. So for us to say, you know what, it's really important to me that you do this, sounds incredibly indulgent and demanding sometimes. Because who are you to ask for what you need? Yeah. And I want to say, yeah, you're you're allowed. Not only are you allowed, I want people to know that's your responsibility is to learn who you are and to tell the people closest to you what you need from them. Because then that opens up this whole opportunity for them to do the same. Like for your kids to go, wait a minute, what is really important to me when I'm having a conversation? How do I really feel listened to? Like how, you know, for, can you imagine kids who are like, you know, going into college or in their first serious relationship and they're like, wait a minute, I need to tell you something I know about myself. This, this is how I feel supported. Like what a gift, yeah. right? To be able to articulate those things. So that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do for couples. So watch for that. Summit is going to be August 25th to 27th. Okay. And where can people go to learn more? They can come to my Instagram or they can go to ashleyrenard.com and I will have all updates there. Get on my email list. I send great emails, big party, 25,000 people on my email list. And we we talk about great things. I share a lot of the replies from people in the community there. And you can go to that just by going to ashleyrenard.com slash links. And then if you sign up for my hot PDF or free, we didn't even talk about hottest summer ever. I'm sending out prompts all summer. Oh, I've been, I've been getting those prompts and yeah. um, they are, they are fantastic. Yeah, They are fantastic. Lots of, lots of ways, lots of ways to kind of come into my orbit. And then I'll be, I'll be talking about the summit when I have more details on that too. Very cool. I will put all of that information in the show notes. So those of you who are listening to the recording can of course just go to the show notes and see all that great information. Ashley, this has been another great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about keeping it hot, the workbook. Mike, I really love being on with you. Anytime you want to do something else, let me know. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much, Ashley. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Robbie Samuels hosts the On the Schmooze podcast. Robbie, tell listeners what to expect from the show. Since 2015, I've interviewed entrepreneurs who overcame challenges to achieve success in their field or industry. Tune in to On the Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe.